Uh, and turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We, we get back. Now, This we have been two, three months removed from the Sermon on the Mount. Um, we began to talk about revival as we were getting ready for our revival services. And, and uh, then things happened. We didn't get to have revival services, but we continue to talk about revival. And uh, I want to I go back to the Sermon on the Mount because I think we today need to understand the importance of, of walking in Christ's example, of understanding how Christ teaches us, and in turn, live that out on a day-to-day basis in our lives. Now, let me remind you, one of the things that we saw in going through the Sermon on the Mount is this truth. You and I, in our own strength, cannot live the teachings of Jesus. That's why we need God's grace. So when when Jesus teaches His disciples, when He stands or or He sits and they they stand before Him and they they listen to the sermon uh, that He gives there, He's teaching them something that He knows they cannot fulfill on their own. Now, that's... uh, uh, that, that shouldn't be a stumbling block to us. That should be an encouragement to us that what Christ wants in our lives is He wants us to live in such a way that we are dependent on Him, that we are walking with Him. Therefore, as we walk in obedience to Him, we begin to see the very power of God enacted in our lives. We begin to see just a, a, a beautiful picture uh, of Christ moving in us and through us. And so we, we pick up today in Matthew 5, and we're going to talk for just a few minutes about the a believer's integrity. The believer's integrity. Read with me in verse 33, where it says, Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your yes be yes, and your no, no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. The believer's integrity. Uh, The biblical truth this morning is this. The believer's life should be characterized by truth and integrity. Jesus continues to teach here, referencing the old teaching and a new teaching. The old teaching, the Old Testament uh, teaching was this. Do not swear falsely. You see, the Old Testament teaching allowed for swearing with a strict strict, uh, requirement that that swear be fulfilled. Now, okay, let's define swearing, because some of you are thinking, man, the Old Testament lets me run out and cuss a while. Well, ain't stopped some of you before. Why worry about it now? Um, The swearing here is not cursing, but literally making an oath or a pledge about something that is backed up by some collateral in case of its untruth. That is, uh, it's a solemn declaration, particularly that God is, is my witness to my statement or my promises, and therefore inviting Him to punish me if, if I tell a lie. 
if I tell an untruth. You might have heard some of these. I swear to God. Now, look, I don't say these lightly. Uh, and, and I don't want you to think, well, preacher said it, it's okay for me to. No, 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 not at all. I, I promise to God. I remember when I was a kid, we used to say, promise to God, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. How crazy is that? Let's tell the truth. Just, well, that's the point Jesus is getting to. Or something like, I swear on my mother's grave. Uh, or I, I swear on the Bible. Uh, if I'm lying... I'm dying. I think that was Ananias and Sapphira's last words. I, I don't know. I mean, the, the reality is that that is the concept of a curse to say that that in order to back my words up, in order to back my actions up, I'm going to call God as my witness to to prove that that what I'm saying is true. And so the Old Testament allowed for oaths, uh, but but it was strictly that they be fulfilled because to do anything less than fulfilling a promise or fulfilling an oath or a vow before the Lord is to dishonor the Lord. The Old Testament, uh, it's one of those things that's connected to the third commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And so as to identify as a child of God, whether that is as an Israelite or a Christian, To identify as a child of God and not follow through on one's pledge is a slap of dishonor to the face of the Lord. The Old Testament says, okay, um, if you make an oath, just don't do it falsely. If you make an oath, make sure you keep it. Well, Jesus comes, and and in this passage, in, in verse 33, I say to you, do not swear at all. Do not swear at all. So that's pretty simple what Jesus is saying. Old Testament... Don't swear falsely. New Testament, Jesus says, don't swear at all. Uh, neither by heaven, for it is the throne of God, nor by earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. Pork chop wasn't your choice to lose your hair, was it? Well, what's Jesus saying? The Pharisees had come into, into such a... Uh, they had so many loopholes to the law. This is what they would do. They would swear by heaven. They would swear by the temple. They would swear by the gold in the temple. They would swear by this. They would swear by that. They would swear by their own heads because they thought that was a loophole. If I don't swear by God's name, then I don't have to fulfill it. Then I don't have to, to carry it out. Uh, I, I'm, I'm okay with cheating okay with lying because I didn't swear according to God. And and the reality, what Jesus is teaching them is this. None of these things are under our our own control. None of these have any uh, place in our authority because they're all under the authority of God. Psalm 24, verse 1 says this, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That is everywhere. Everything is under the authority of God. Uh, we have no control. It, it, it's kind of like uh, uh, we, here we are, we're trying to offer someone else's possession uh, to, to back our words up as a guarantee for our pledge. It's kind of like if I, tell, if I tell you something and I say, I promise if I'm wrong, I'm going to give you pork chops truck. that go over well with you? Or I'm going to give you Rusty's John Deere. That wouldn't go real well, will it? 
I mean, you think about it. Here, here we are. Jesus is, is teaching them, don't swear at all, because really you have no control over those things by which you swear. Don't swear at all. Now, now let, let me just say this. Jesus is forbidding a, a flippant, profane, or careless use of oaths in everyday speech. You see, in that culture, oaths were used as that tool for deception. And so, so what Jesus, Jesus is not saying you cannot stand in trial or you cannot be a witness. Un, you, can, you can uh, make an oath uh, before a court of law. As a matter of fact, Jesus did that when he was on trial. Paul did that when he was on trial. So, so what we, we see here is Jesus is saying, look, don't be so arrogant in your own life. Don't be so arrogant in the way you conduct yourselves as to think you can just throw a swear out here and a swear out there to back it up. What's the point? What's Jesus trying to get to? Here's the point. Speak truth at all times. And people won't have to worry if you're lying or not. Verse 37. So let your yes be yes. And your no, no. See, the believer should speak truth at, at all times. Whatever he says should be truthful, and he should stand in conviction upon that truth. He speaks truth, but he also walks truth. His talk and walk match. What he says goes, and he abides by what he says. There should be no contradiction and no hypocrisy in the lives of a child of God. So Jesus says, speak the truth and live by it. Speak the truth at all times. And people won't have to worry about whether you're lying or not. Well, if, if we understand what Jesus is saying here, then let's understand the importance of it. The truth is this. It's a matter of integrity. Now, y'all help me this morning. What is integrity? Good morning, y'all. What's that? What you stand for. Doing what's right when no one's looking. Anybody else? Truthfully? All right. Any mathematicians in here? The word integrity comes from a mathematical term, integer. You know what an integer is? It's a whole number. It's a whole number. And so when we think about this concept of truth and integrity, we have to recognize that, that, that this call of God on our lives to let our yes be yes and our no, no, is that we walk in a, in, in a wholeness that everything about us is truthful, that we live in, in a whole, complete walk with the Lord. That, that is this, this whole number, this integer is not fractured, it's not partial, it's not incomplete, it's not broken. It is whole. And you and I as followers of Christ are called to walk in wholeness, in completeness, in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now look, I understand that you and I are human. You and I are, are faulty. We're broken people. We're stained by the scar of sin. 
I understand that. But do you understand that Jesus, in His perfect integrity, His perfect wholeness, His perfect completeness, His perfect sinless life, stepped out of heaven, put on flesh, and lived among us in order that He could buy our integrity back. So He comes and He sheds His blood on the cross. And by that blood we are cleansed. He is buried. He raises again on the third day. And by that resurrection, you and I are given life. Not just same old life. Not just just a normal life that we've always known. But it's an eternal, it's a supernatural life birthed by the Spirit of God in us. And so when we come to faith in Christ, our integrity is restored, and therefore integrity is made possible in Christ, and therefore integrity should be, must be, our pursuit. See, we can't just buy into the ways of the dog-eat-dog world, uh, the ways of the world. We can't just think that whatever loophole is out there is, is okay because the world is accepting of that. We have to understand that the call of God in our lives is higher than what this world lives out and acts out on a day-to-day basis. We're called to live a life of truthfulness and integrity, and that's what Jesus paid for with His blood. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, let's think about this. When my life and my declaration or my walk and my talk don't match up, then the presentation is hypocritical. Now look, let's bear in mind, none of us are ever to claim perfection. Okay? There's not a one of us who came to Christ and got saved and all of a sudden life is perfect. Is there? Not at all. We falter. We fail. We stumble. And sometimes we dive head first into the garbage this world offers. So we're not perfect. We can't claim perfection. But what we can in our lives to do is that when we recognize our sin, we recognize we can repent of that, that wicked way, we can repent of that faulty way, and we can return and once again pursue the integrity that God calls us to. Now, Let's, let's, let's be real. There are some assaults on our integrity today. I'm just going to run through a, a few right quick. Number one, there's an assault on truth. There's an assault on truth. It's not just in the secular world. It's in the church world. Um, many of us say that we believe the Bible is truth until our emotions are peaked in another direction. And then all of a sudden, the Bible's questionable. Let me tell you, that, that's wrong. That's not the direction we need to go. If there's no truth, there's no standard. If there's no standard, there's no deficit. There's no need for integrity. And so when we hold the the Word of God as truth, then we must recognize that its call in our lives is that we walk out in, in integrity. When we mess up, what do we do? We sweep it under the rug? No, we acknowledge it. We apologize for it. We repent of it. And then we get back on the road of integrity. So the, the second assault is this. There's a lack of high expectations. You say, well, I, I first wrote down there, I first thought about a lack of expectation. But, but I, I think many of us have low expectations. There's, there's very little expected. But the reality is this, that the expectation of Christ 
for his disciples here in this teaching and throughout his teaching was a high expectation teaching. He placed before them some things that he knew they couldn't do apart from them. And so, so we've got to raise our expectations. It's not okay that we fudge on this area or that area. It's not okay that we, we say one thing and do another because that's not how we will exemplify Christ to a lost and dying world. See, we've got to raise our expectations as Jesus expects. There's a lack of commitment. Here we go. Lack of commitment. I, I read an article recently that, that notes that a characteristic of our society today is, is that many people are non-committal. Always leaving room for more fun or more rewarding opportunities. That is this. We don't want to commit ourselves. We don't want to put our name down on the paper. We don't want to sign up for this. We don't want to sign up for that. We don't want to give our pledge to something because if something more fun comes up, gone. If I can make a little more money elsewhere, I'm gone. And the deal with that is this. We say we want to serve the Lord. We say that we want to be this way. We want to commit to doing greater things in the Lord. But the reality is this. We, we leave that door swinging and hoping. The more fun comes up, I'm gone. It's a lack of integrity. It's a lack of integrity that's showing itself not just in our culture, y'all. It's showing in the church. Because we we have to be a committed people. The, the last assault would be a lack of responsibility. If we don't have a responsibility, there's no point in a commitment. So, so here, when, when we read Christ's words, the youth went to camp and they studied hear and do. James 1.22 says, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. When we encounter God in His Scripture, when we encounter uh, the way He loved people, the way He challenged people, the way He taught people, we have to assume the responsibility of that lays on our lives. It's not a 2,000-year-old teaching that was just applicable to, to 12 guys that wore long robes and sandals. It's applicable to you and to me today. And so we've got to assume responsibility for what Christ is teaching because integrity is critically how many have ever heard someone say, I ain't going to go down to that church down there because there's a bunch of hypocrites down there. Y'all ever heard that? How many of you ever said it? I don't want you to raise your hand. I don't want you to answer that out loud. Because reality is this. If that's the heart you have toward the church, shame on you. Because those hypocrites down there at the church, uh, look, I'm preaching the choir because y'all came to church this morning. Those hypocrites down at the church aren't going to stand in judgment for you. But friends, if, if somebody outside the church can look at you and say, I'm not going to go down there because, oh, so-and-so, he's a hypocrite. Or, oh, so-and-so, they just live this way, they say this one thing and they do another. They're hypocrites, hypocrites. Then that ought to be convicting of us because we are living a lack of when the Lord says, let your yes be yes and your no be 
there. Why is integrity critically important? Because when we live letting our yes, our word stand, people see Christ exemplified in us. They see Jesus in us. When we declare where we stand and we live by that declaration. Not only that, they see Christ in us, but they see Christ glorified. You know what happens when Christ is glorified? Not just that they see Him, it's that they're drawn to Him as well. When we allow our lives to imitate, to follow the teachings of Christ, when we allow our lives to to be lives of integrity before Him and before the world, people will see Him and people will be drawn to Him to trust Him as Savior and Lord. Our world does not value integrity. It's every man for himself in the world. however, However I can rise, that's what I'm going to do. Listen, when Christ church begins to hold high the truth in personal integrity, the world will take note. The world will take note and begin to turn toward Christ for hope and salvation. What the world needs is not a lot more hypocrites. The world needs men and women of God to stand on truth with integrity. Would you make your stand today? Walk in. Father, I thank you. I thank you that Jesus, in his perfect, sinless nature, I thank you that he was willing to pay a debt he didn't owe, to pay a debt that I couldn't pay, so that I could be saved, so that I could be forgiven, so that I could be cleansed so that I could be made whole again. Father, this morning, there are some here that have never trusted You as Savior and their lives are fractured, they're broken because they're apart from You. Father, I would ask You today that You would draw them to You by Your payment for their sin that they'd be saved. Father, I pray that you'd lead them to repent trust you. Father, there are many in this room that have not been living in integrity. God, I pray that today it would be a great repentance right here. That from this moment on, we would begin to let our yes be yes and our no be no. That the people around us wouldn't question where we stand. that, Lord, they would see the truth of Christ in us and begin to turn to Him through our witness. Father, in this time of invitation, You deal with hearts. I pray that You draw every one of us closer to You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Would you stand with us this morning?